And good afternoon from Maui, Hawaii. It's a Sunday, the 10th of August, 2008, and this is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. And my name's Michael Benner. Nice to be with you. Uh, we're starting just a couple of minutes late today. My apologies for that. My uh, web browser hung up and I had to reboot the whole thing. But we look good. we got uh, people on the telephone. Let me check this. Excellent. And uh, we have, uh, let me check the web count. Good. So we're looking in good shape and we're going to have uh, more, 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 lots more people join us in the, in the first 10 minutes. So I'm not too worried about starting a little bit late. Thanks for your patience. Our theme for the day or our theme for the week, if you will, is uh, happiness for no reason. Why are you so happy? Well, what do you mean, why am I so happy? I mean, what kind of question is that? Why do we wear, as I said in the newsletter and the reminder, where in the world did we ever get the idea that we need a reason to be happy? Now again, to a reasonable or logical person, that might seem like a silly question. Well, of course you need a reason to be happy. I don't think so. <laughs> I think there is underneath happiness something called joy, which we can tap into again, which we can, in a sense, rejuvenate and resurrect so that we can be happy, spontaneously, joyful for Absolutely no reason. Without a reason, or in spite of the, the the reasons that you may have other feelings also. I think maybe the best place to begin a little class here, and by the way, we, we always do a meditation or a guided imagery exercise at the end of the event. Uh, sometimes we go less than an hour, sometimes we go as long as an hour and a half. We'll never go longer than an hour and a half. Uh, not with the regular Sunday afternoon programs anyway, just so you know. And uh, keep in mind that all of these programs are available forevermore uh, as a replay at uh, this site. You can probably the easiest way to see the replays if you don't have the email from a past event with the link in it. Simply go to my website, theagelesswisdom.com and click on home page to get inside then click on the navigation link web teleconferences and you'll see the whole archive all of, all of these programs listed as streaming audios by date and by theme and if you'd prefer after clicking on it you can download it to your computer and keep it that way a podcast is also available which you can subscribe to for free on that same page so the W's dot theagelesswisdom.com. Click on homepage to go inside. And uh, once inside, click on web teleconferences, and you'll see the archive. Happiness for no reason, our theme today. Again, I think the best place to begin is to talk about happiness as a, a means, a way, a path to whatever results or desired outcomes you wish to create in your 
life. But we make a serious mistake if we think that happiness is a goal or an outcome. It's a false uh, a paradigm. It's a false way of looking at it. For one thing, what you do then, if you see happiness as a destination rather than the journey, so to speak, is you tend to defer your happiness. You put it off until you get some result. You make your life conditional. I will be happy when is really a way of saying to yourself, I will not be happy until. Now think about that, because I think this is pretty profound stuff and important <laughs> to your happiness. I'm not sure who gets credit for it, but somebody said it in a very nice way. I've seen quoted a number of times over over the years, over my years of exploring happiness as part of uh, human potential and personal and spiritual development. He or she said, success is not a way to happiness. Happiness is the way to success. I mean, if I hung up the phone now and called it a day, I think you'd all benefit if if you remembered nothing more than that. It is not success that takes you to happiness. It is happiness that takes us to success. Often through what might appear to be failure to some people, or a mistake at the very least, but to a goal-setting optimist, those are just opportunities to learn more and to fine-tune your happy journey toward the successful outcome. Happiness is the way. Success is a way of defining your outcome. Don't think of success as stepping stones to get you to a happy place, because then you're deferring your happiness. Again, what sense does it make? What kind of twisted puritanical ethic is it to withhold your happiness, your love, uh, until a certain, you know, result is attained. Why would you want to do that? Why would you defer your happiness? You know, it's it's silly on the surface. I think there are a lot of reasons for it, and we'll go to the telephones in a little while. What I mean by that is. We have too many people on the line to open up the telephones. I could do that at the end of the call if I remember to do that, and then you can all chat to each other. Most people are on the web. A few people are on the phone. When I say go to the phones, what I'm really saying is at the bottom of the web page, if you're listening via the web rather than the telephone, you'll see a box where you can put your first name in a city and a little comment or question in there, and we'll see what some of you guys have to say about this concept of of withholding our happiness and deferring our joy and happiness, the enthusiasm and passion which, with which we could be living our lives out of some belief that life is supposed to be a struggle and we're not supposed to be happy unless and until we accomplish something. We earn a living or make a living. The idea in the West that you could just be a living <laughs> is not very widespread. We're, we're too materialistic and, and, and goal-oriented. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with goals. We, we teach decision-making and goal-setting and time management and organization skills and, 
And part of that is understanding that happiness is not an outcome, but a means to an end. Okay? These, I think, are the first two principles that we have to talk about today. Number one, there is joy within us. There is a font, a fountain of happiness available to you. It feels like being alive. It feels like happiness for no reason. And we're when when we're not feeling happiness for no reason, when we're not open and sensitive to that spontaneous joy within each of us, it's because we have shut down. It's got little or nothing to do with circumstances and events, situations, relationships around us. You know, it's like somebody once said, I think it was Tony Robbins actually in a similar vein, said, um, there are no boring lives, just boring people. You are not a victim of circumstance. You're creating your circumstance. We've got to get this turned around. So if you're not happy, then what you create in your life will not be imbued with that happiness. You, Each of us need to learn to rediscover that spontaneous joy. Okay, That's number one. And then number two would be, as I've just indicated, it's the path. Happiness is an attitude. It's the way you set your cap and go about your day. Um, you know, uh, a friend of mine is a, a pencil artist, and I saw some of her art online yesterday, and she has a drawing of a woman sitting on a stool with what appears to be just a smiling mouth, just the bottom part of a face on a stick that she's holding in her hand, as if she'd been putting this happy face over her mouth, holding onto the stick uh, to put on a good front for other people. And now that she had a moment to herself, she was going to let the happy face fall. And she's still holding it in her hand, but her face is really not all that happy. And uh, I started thinking about that. And sometimes I want to take off my happy face. Sometimes I want to be a grouch. Sometimes I want to just wallow in uh, sadness or resentment or even anger. <laughs> I remember really disappointing some people once who were big fans of my radio show. And they were visiting my roommate. And I'd just gotten a uh, ticket for running a red light, and I didn't. I, I went through a yellow light. It was totally bogus. And I was angry, and these people were upset that I was angry. They thought, you know, you teach higher consciousness. You teach emotional management. What right do you have to be angry? And I, I said, you know, I'll be fine in a minute. I'm venting. I didn't know. I was in my own home, for God's sakes. I didn't know that it was not okay uh just to express my anger and frustration for a little bit before I get back to managing it. And that's all I was doing. Uh, but having said that, I think most of us sense a responsibility to sort of butch up, put on a happy face, pull upon an attitude of being positive and goal-oriented, especially when we go out into the world and encounter other people. 
I mean, when somebody says to you, how you doing, they don't really want to know. They, <laughs> they want you to say you're doing fine, you're doing great, you're doing better and better. And chances are you are doing great or better and better. It's just what do you choose to put your attention on, the problems or the solutions? We're all getting better and better, you know. It's like the Beatles song, can't get any worse, so... <laughs> There are those cycles in life, of course, the highs and the lows, but having said that, and accounting for all of the peaks and valleys in our lives, generally they are getting better. Anything that appears to be getting worse, if you zoom out, if you stand back, if you detach a little bit and see the the bigger picture, you'll see the growth opportunity and the overall unfoldment some people do it faster, some people do it slowly, some people resist. They dig in their heels. I will not grow. I will not be happy. I refuse to allow my life to work for me. I'm so bitter and angry and resentful that I'm going to sabotage my life and defer my happiness and ignore these first two points. Number one, joy is your birthright. Spontaneous happiness is available to you at all times, if you would but allow it. And we'll talk about how to do that and demonstrate it as we go through the questions you submit on the web page, and then we'll do our guided imagery exercise in just a few minutes. And the second principle is that happiness is the way. Right? Spontaneous joy is your birthright, and happiness is a means to a destination. Happiness is the adventure. Happiness is the journey. In Buddhism, this is the middle path or the mystic's way. It's the stairway to heaven. It's how do we evolve spiritually? Spirit involves into matter, and then matter, via its consciousness, evolves. Uh, not only physically, but the consciousness itself evolves and moves back again, closing the circle, don't you see, toward its source. And how do we do that? But by the qualities of love. And I think that's where we need to make the third point here of the major three points I wanted to make today, which is that happiness is indeed a quality of love. And I don't mean simply emotional love. I'm talking about the qualities of spiritual love, which have to do with harmony and ultimately unity. For it's love as a spiritual magnetic field that unifies what appears to be separate into one whole thing. That's the magic in the middle between spirit and matter, between energy and particles, the interface of what Einstein called the energy and mass. He put an equal sign between the two. Is consciousness, the magnetic field that is awareness, that is love, and that has many qualities, including happiness. So that's the way. That's the middle way. That's, that's how spirit comes into matter and manifests and incarnates is through love. And it's via love that that consciousness returns home again and thus completes the cycle of experience as separated and diverse. But there is a way back. There is a path. And it's spiritual love. 
Remember, for those of you who are Christians, Christ said, I am the way and the light. And they said to Buddha, you know, are you a god? I told this story recently. He said, no, I'm not a god. And they said, well, what are you, a priest or a sage? He said, no, I'm awake. You know, I'm awake. That's another quality of spiritual love. I'm here, present, in the moment, and I am happy for no reason and I am kind, and I am tolerant, and I am generous, even if I don't feel like it. Because feelings don't, we can't allow feelings to manage us. It's us, the individual, the higher self, that needs to manage the feelings. It needs to say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm in sort of a funk today. I didn't realize I'm sort of angry now that I think about it, and reflect on it, or I'm feeling a little sad and, and melancholy today. I have to account for that. I have to take ownership of that. I have to manage that and go beyond the, I'll use the word pathetic, it's a strong word, the pathetic sense of satisfaction that we think we receive when we play a victim and give up our happiness or make our happiness conditional. If I had a reason, if you're nice to me, if you give me what I want, if you love me, trust me, and respect me, okay, you're doing pretty good, you're doing pretty well, it's been a couple of days, but then all of a sudden, you irritate me, you frustrate me, you upset me, and now I'm going to give up my happiness. <laughs> now, initially, there may be nothing you can do about it. I'm not talking about taking the initial negative hit from a negative so-called fear-based emotion. Everybody does. Even the guru is caught off guard, right? The only thing they're able to do is adjust, account for that sadness, take ownership, learn from it and release it a whole lot faster than most people. And certainly faster than those that hold on to the, the, the misery wear their misery on their sleeve, play victim out of a pathetic, really, attempt to earn sympathy from other people. You know, happiness is a quality of love. Sympathy is appropriate, I guess, at funerals and such, but it's, you know, sympathy for other people. But to seek sympathy for yourself is very different than to have sympathy for your loss. I'm sorry that your friend died or the dog died or the cat got hit by the car or whatever. I, I sympathize with you, my sympathies. But to seek sympathy from somebody else when what we really want is love and joy and happiness is pathetic and perverse because sympathy sought is like love sought. It's a denial of the first principle, which is joy is our birthright. Love is within us. The proof of this I mentioned in this week's newsletter, Young Children. You don't have to teach children how to be happy. Imagine if you had to teach a child to be happy. Brand new little babies giggle, and they laugh. It's one of the most fun things they do. Uh, and one of the most fun things to watch is a baby 
that gets excited about being alive. That's pretty cool. And they laugh and they giggle, and yeah, sometimes they cry, and, and so do we. Uh, that's just the way of it. And as a child, until they learn to get some words and sentences together, there's not much else they can do in the way of communication except pretty basic stuff like laughing and crying. So we can see spontaneous joy. We see happiness for no reason in very young children. In spite of the occasional outburst or, you know, sadness or anger or gassy tummy or whatever causes a kid to cry or act out. or And certainly there is, in early childhood development, problem with sharing toys and turf and sibling rivalry and, and all kinds of issues that I'm not going to go into. It's not appropriate to our topic today other than to say, you can see spontaneous joy. I don't think we could argue that. Happiness for no reason in brand new kids. It just popped in. So the better question maybe is what happened to us? What shattered this God-given spontaneous joy? How did we lose our happiness for no reason? And at what age do we begin to say to ourselves, I will not be happy until. And then blame circumstances and events and other people around us for the fact that we're not going to be happy until, when you just now, just then, <laughs> made the decision not to be happy until. Because now you're going to take the means and the ways, the path, and make it an outcome. Now your adventure becomes the destination. But what adventure have we ever been on in life where we reached the destination and then stayed there? What kind of delusion is this? That the whole point of being goal-oriented is to determine a direction to move in, not to get there. The purpose of setting a goal is not to arrive. It's likely you'll change your mind as you make the approach and modify it, peek it, tweak it, change it a little bit, maybe even settle, maybe even realize there's something that would be more appropriate, that you want more as you approach. The point of setting the goal in the beginning is to make the approach, not to arrive. And that's where the fun is. That's where the adventure is, not in the destination, but in the journey. And once you get to the destination, if you make happiness a condition of arriving at the destination, there's not going to be very much happiness. Because what happens when you get the outcome that you want, you obtain the goal, or you get the relationship, or this material stuff, or an income level, or whatever, it very quickly becomes unfulfilling. It very quickly becomes dissatisfying. And so you have to set another goal. Isn't that interesting? And if we don't do that, and when we don't set goals, big ones, small ones, medium ones, in all areas of our lives, isn't it funny how life finds a way, often through what we call problems, to promote our individual and personal growth? and spiritual development. 
I think it was Seneca, the Roman sage, that said, let's see if I can remember this, I can only paraphrase. Uh, for those who will, the fates lead. For those who will not, the fates drag. Do you understand that? Do you get that? Because it's worthy of a little reflection. For those who will, for those who are willing, the fates will lead you. The universe will conspire to support you if you dream, when you dream, as you dream, and then use happiness as a quality of spiritual love and harmony and charity to move toward that dream. Okay. That's the whole idea that we're talking about here. Happiness for no reason, as a means to an end. But don't make it the end, because it won't be happy, and not for long anyway. You'll need another adventure, you'll need another goal, you'll need to begin another journey and let happiness be your path as a quality of love. You know, one of the biggest problems we have in this whole field of philosophy, comparative religion, spirituality is using the word love in two entirely different ways. And really, uh, as an emotion, love should be lowercase, but as a spiritual energy, love should be capitalized. And uh, I, uh, I think this has been a problem since the beginning of of time. Again, in, in the Christian frame, uh, Christ saying to love your enemy, that was 2,000 years ago. Clearly, uh, we don't get that. (laughs) We don't get that. The idea that Christ was a pacifist, blessed are the peacemakers, the meek shall inherit the earth, turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile, give away your riches. Hey, it's pretty clear Christ was a non-materialist and a pacifist. But, gosh, Catholic, Protestant, (laughs) just about anywhere you turn, you'll find so-called Christians promoting war, blessing battleships. And uh, it wasn't that way before the church. In the two or three hundred years between Christ and the church, we talked about this just a week or two ago, how... The, the Christians that were captured by the Romans as slaves were fed to the lions because they refused to fight. They said, yeah, but it's self-defense. Uh, you'll be killed if you don't fight. We're going to throw you into that gladiator ring. And if you, if you do fight and you win, you can uh, earn your freedom. You'll be a free man. And uh, everybody will live happily ever after if only you will fight. And uh, the Christians said, we, we can't do that. We're Christians, and we don't fight. We're pacifists. And they said, well, then we'll feed you to the lions. Well, what happened? Well, a couple hundred years into that, the church started, the so-called Catholic Church, and that all went away because they had armies, and they had crusades. And, you know, it was, a, uh, it was one of the crusaders in the 9th or 10th century that stated that famous quote about killing other Christians, he said, just kill them all, the mystics too, the pacifists, 
kill those Christians and let God sort them out. Kill them all. They didn't come from the Vietnam era, as is often quoted, or if it did, it, it goes back to the ninth century and the Crusaders, because they were killing a lot of Christians uh, that didn't agree with the church, uh, partly about pacifism and partly about the nature of the overshadowing soul. So I don't want to get too far afield here. It's just that we need to understand that emotional love is not what we're talking about when we talk about the qualities of love as happiness for no reason, as joy, as kindness. You know, love your enemy love means don't scare them. Feed them, and maybe they won't be your enemy. Imagine if we dropped bread and books instead of bombs. If big airplanes flew over Afghanistan and Iraq, I know some people look at me like I'm crazy when I say this, but it's why we never went to war with the Soviet Union. I wish people understood this. Soviet Union was never a threat to the United States because during the entire Cold War, we were feeding them. We were feeding the Russian people, the people of the Soviet Union. America was their breadbasket. There was no way they were going to drop a bomb in the middle of their farm, right? And uh, if we fed our enemies and educate, if we fed our own people and educated our own people, that'd be one thing. But imagine feeding your enemy. That's what it means to love them, not to emotionally uh, have affection and want to kiss them on the face. And that's not love your enemy. But we get all mixed up around this word and the relevance here is we're talking about happiness for no reason, joy as a means to an end. So that happiness is understood, as, and love and joy are understood to be the means and the way and the path uh, to an outcome, to a success. Don't turn it around. It's not success is the way to be happy. Happiness is the way to success. And uh, then you don't withhold it. Then, then, I mean, what does that mean? You understand what I'm saying, right? It means pull upon this higher sense of love. And when you love your enemy or love people that you don't like, that's putting the happy face back on, like the pencil drawing I talked about a few minutes ago. That's saying I'm going to butch up, and if, and if I am sad or depressed and somebody says, how are you doing, I'm going to smile and I'm going to say fine, unless it's a very close personal friend. And then I might say, well, I'm doing pretty well, but can we talk later? I'd like to share some stuff with you. Or, I'm doing okay, I'm going through some stuff. But I mean, just to frame it in a positive way, don't we have that responsibility? I think so. Not only to refuse to seek sympathy from other people instead of love, but to give love. And again, not just the emotional small L love. That, that, that doesn't make much sense. Baby, oh baby, that stuff is not what we're talking about in day-to-day -day relationships with everybody you meet, even people you don't like, even people that could be your enemy. You don't have to like them. You do have to love them. You could feed them and give them books on an international level and on a personal level. 
you can love them, meaning don't frighten them, be kind, be happy, and give that away. Radiate that effortlessly. And then, of course, the gift is in the giving. You don't need anything in return. There is no uh, expectation uh, in kind or in karma. You just you've already given the gift because you're happy for no reason you smile at somebody, nod, say hi and they just might do the same thing are you willing to do that on the street? are you willing to do that in the workplace? are you willing to stretch the the boundaries of what you're willing to do to initiate happiness in the world from your fountain of spontaneous joy? To refuse to delay your gratitude, to see happiness as a quality of spiritual love available to you at all times, pull on it, account for it, adjust for it, generate it, radiate it out into the world, happiness, joy, for no reason, give that away and see what happens. See what you magnetize. See what you draw toward you. Because grumpiness or an appeal for sympathy or a refusal to acknowledge your happiness, what is that going to magnetize? What kind of response are you going to get from other people? And sometimes we say, well, I don't care. I mean, what's the cause and what's the effect here? You go out into the world with attitude and then use the world's response as a justification for the attitude that we initiated. Pathetic. We've all done it. We'll probably all do it again. But by study and meditation and mindfulness, those three things, study, like coming to this class, meditation, practice every day for 10 or 15 minutes, Mindfulness, a kind of waking meditation where you're, like Buddha said in Christ, I am awake and I am the way and I am self-aware and I am conscious and I am that I am, the consciousness. And I have choices and I make choices and I initiate my life. And sometimes it feels like it's being done to me because it's cyclic and it has its ebb and flow. Life has its in-breath and its out-breath. There is that which is done to me, but that's not nearly as significant as the responses that I choose to initiate and the desired goals and outcomes that I choose to initiate. And to be the initiate means to initiate your life and give up this victim that can only respond to circumstances, has no love, no joy, no happiness to speak of, and has to appeal for sympathy in lieu of real happiness for no reason. That's pretty much what I wanted to talk about today. We need to talk now about how to do it, right? But first let me go to the... I keep saying go to the telephones. Let me put your attention, unless you're on the telephone or listening to a replay or a podcast. If you're with us live and on the web, look at the bottom of the page. you see a little box. Just say hi. Put your first name and city in there and just say hi. Or even better, if you have a comment about our topic today or a question or even in a more general sense, 
beyond happiness for no reason and enjoy uh, the difference between emotional love and spiritual capital L love any question about personal or spiritual development you can put that in there too and hit the submit button and uh, we'll take a look at it and then we'll do our visualization exercise for the day uh, from Lake Forest uh, RJ that's Randy uh, and uh, he says aloha wishing all happy and peaceful day today and blessings thank you Reverend Randy I don't know if Randy still calls himself Reverend Randy but he'll always be the Reverend to me and I uh, hope you're doing uh, better and better. Charlotte or Charlotte in Montreal is with us again. Good afternoon, Michael. She says she responds directly to the uh, phrase I put in the newsletter about whatever happened to that spontaneous joy that bubbled up out of us as young children. And Charlotte says, I think it is fear. Fear of failing our exams, of not getting the job, of not having enough money to feed the kids, fear of the unknown, fear of not being loved, fear, 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 suffocating fear. Well, I absolutely agree. The only thing I would say about fear, and will continue to say week after week after week, because it is so basic, so seminal, so fundamental, and thank you, Charlotte, for reminding us, is that it is not simply the opposite of love. It is certainly not a force that opposes love. Fear and love are opposites only in terms of semantics. As energies or forces, fear is the absence of love. Fear is like darkness and cold the absence of heat and life. Heat and light are source-specific, point-specific. They come from someplace. They, they radiate according to laws of energy and thermodynamics and, 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 and travel. At, uh, light travels at a given speed. The darkness and cold do not have those properties. They are not energies. They exist where there is an absence or shortage of energy, and so it is with fear. And this all-consuming fear that Charlotte's talking about here is the absence of love and the absence of happiness for no reason. But it is suffocating, as Charlotte said. And you get in this catch-22, this vicious cycle, and it feels like fear is blocking our happiness, but it's, I would suggest, ultimately, our unwillingness to be happy for no reason that creates the fear. It's our unwillingness as teenagers and adults to be happy and joyful spontaneously, to be happy for no reason. It's our unwillingness that creates the fear in our lives. We play small. It's another program. I don't want to get too far off the track, but yeah, we're, she's right. And both things are true. It is a cycle, and so fear is being done to us, and, and fear does, you know, dim the light, so to speak. Fear has that effect. But when you understand metaphysics the way you understand physics and say, well, wait a minute, light and dark are opposites in a sense, but 
one is an energy and one is nothing. It exists, darkness, but it exists as the absence of light. It's Otherwise, it is no thing. It is no energy. It is no mass. Therefore, it does not exist. Technically, there is no darkness. <laughs> there is just no thing. Light in the absence of light. Love, the absence of love being fear. But we, again, we're victimized by that too. We like to play victim to our fear. It's real enough. Remember when the earthquake came? You guys had another one in Southern California recently. But in 94, and we said, well, it wasn't the big one. And somebody said, well, it was the big enough one. I guess that's the way I feel about that. Uh, Carolyn La Habra. Hello, Carol. Good afternoon. And uh, she's leaving a little personal note here. I won't share, but I hope your mom's feeling better. And uh, in Pittsburgh, John, happy to be attending. Nice to hear from you, John. Also, Glenn in San Diego says hello. And uh, Melanie in San Pedro. Hi, Melanie. Nice to hear from you. Thanks for being on. Um, and also in Oceanside, Roberto says, hi, good topic. Thanks for providing food for thought on this. Well, you're very welcome. And let's do our visualization exercise and uh, more than food for thought. Let's feed you, okay? Let's uh, teach you to feed yourself with lots of spirit and love for no reason. So we'll just take about ten minutes here if you can uh, get comfortable. And uh, provided you're in an appropriate place where you can close your eyes, Focus your attention away from the physical world. Do that now. You can even lay down if you want. But often when we lay down and relax, we fall asleep. So sit up would be a little better. And uh, again, sit erect, sit straight. You don't have to be perfectly rigid. We're Westerners. You can sit back in the chair or sofa. Close your eyes if you haven't already and begin to breathe two, three, maybe four nice, slow, deep breaths. Pulling in strength and power, and as you exhale, ah, feel the letting go. If your nose is not too stuffy, inhale through the nose. You can exhale through the nose or the mouth. And as you exhale, feel the safety and relaxation from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And as you allow your breathing now to find its natural rhythm, you just turn breathing over to autopilot and let your body breathe itself. As you continue to feel even safer and more relaxed, as if you were in a beautiful paradise or a garden outdoors. And as your emotions begin to naturally tranquilize, to become more calm and peaceful, in the similar way, the mind, as you allow my voice to guide you, becomes quieter. 
feels less like a distraction and more like a faithful servant. As you reflect upon how wonderful it feels to be in this timeless place of perfect peace, this beautiful paradise that you conceive all around you, blue sky, white clouds, green trees and bushes, a paradise, a garden, an Eden. A place of ideal relaxation that you've invented in your mind and the feeling that you're making all of this up is exactly right. And allow my voice to guide you and go with you, but you can also imagine birds singing. Listen. See how easy that is? Well, I just made it up. That's exactly right. Now make up wind in the trees, big trees, the tops of the tallest trees. Hear the breezes coming down through the trees. As you sense just how irrelevant time is, what day it is. As you feel as if there's there's really nothing else you'd rather be doing than just spending another six or eight minutes here in this beautiful place. No place else you'd rather be but sitting quietly upon the earth or a rock, a tree stump or a log, in a forest or a meadow, in the sunshine or a cool, shady, shady spot. You dream it up. Maybe maybe by some water, a little lake or a stream. Begin to reflect on the simple concept discussed today that happiness is not a goal, but the means to success. Remind yourself and tell yourself how easy it will be to remember forevermore that success does not bring us to happiness. It is happiness for no reason that creates success. It's the adventure, the journey, not the destination. For when we get to the destination, we must begin another journey or we feel unfulfilled. Make a decision right now, in this level of mind where you're so lucid and focused, make a decision now to honor the spontaneous joy that you were born with and that at some point you gave up. Imagine trusting your first impression, make this easy. Imagine how old you were when you began to put conditions on your happiness, to postpone and delay your gratification, saying, I'll be happy if this happens. I'll be happy when this happens. When did we put happiness from the path to the destination? How old do you suppose you were when you started creating reasons and conditions for your happiness. 
And imagine the person you've become here and now going to yourself as a child at that age and saying, come with me. Come with me to my adulthood. Come with me to the present time in August of 2008 and let me teach you to be happy for no reason at all as we were when we were little infants and toddlers and babies. Come with me and rescue that child. Rescue that child. Hug them as if you were like a an older sibling, a big brother or sister, or even a, a, a parent. As you rescue yourself from that childhood fear that you needed now reasons to be happy. And bring that child into the present moment as if embracing them with the comfort, the safety, and security of knowing they are the love they seek, they are the happiness they seek. We are that now for no reason. It's our identity. It's not an event. The qualities of love, including happiness, are just that. They're qualities, not quantities. They are a means to an end, not the end. But we have to allow for it, account for it. Give up our sense of delayed anything and live in the moment. Consider, in this wonderful place of perfect peace, the story, one of many, that Alan Watts is known for. When he demonstrates that the present moment is not a function or a condition of the past any more than a great ship has been created by its wake. Ellen says, the wake did not create the ship, the past does not create the present, the wake did not create the ship, the ship created the wake. Anything that seems to be in the past was created in the now. That past doesn't need to be real if you don't drag it with you wherever you go. Let it go. The conditions on happiness, the belief that somehow we benefit from delaying our happiness. And give yourself permission to be here and now, to be the ship that creates the past from the now that plans the future from the now, that creates all from this moment of happiness and love and peace. Not for a reason, but as an identity. You are the love and the happiness you're looking for. Imagine you as the adult you've become teaching this to the part of you, the child you were, who seems to be with you now when you decided to delay your happiness 
when you decided happiness needed reasons. Teach the child. You are the love. You are the joy. You are the happiness you've been looking for. And those who teach learn twice. And it feels affirmed and confirmed as you embrace this child and bring them into your heart. Caring for them forevermore. Protecting them from the delusion of scarcity and poverty in this world. Allowing us to open our minds and open our hearts. Free to love. Free to be happy. To reconnect with nature. Including our own human nature. Without reason without a need for anything to be other than it is. Feel that happiness for no reason. That's called joy. And it is not merely a condition or a state. It is your identity. It is the prime motive. And if there is a reason for happiness and love, it is simply this, that love is who you are. Love is what you are. Love is that you are. The love we've been seeking has been within us and continues to be within us all along, not contained inside, but rather the essence what it means to be or not to be. Feel this happiness for no reason. Feel it in your body. Where do you feel it? Notice in your body where you feel happiness. And then remind yourself once more that to think happiness is to understand it as a means to an end, as the way, as the path, as the stairway to heaven, creating success. It's not success creates happiness. Easy to confuse that, isn't it? But rather happiness creates success. Be the happiness, be the love. find yourself in this paradise. You'll find that you can bring these feelings of fulfillment and peace and happiness and joy with you effortlessly, simply by affirming that you will allow it and permit yourself to feel happy for no reason, and give it away that the cycle, the process is repeated. Give it away without reason. Why would you, it's been given to you without condition? Why would you put conditions on love and happiness and peace when you receive that so freely and in such unconditional abundance? Give it away that you receive even more. Give away your happiness for no reason. And give it away for no reason. And see what happens. 
And this will also be easy for you to remember and understand as you reflect upon it, and maybe even listen to the replay later today, tomorrow, or a week from now. And as you reorient yourself toward the sound of my voice, remind yourself where you are. Take a nice, slow, deep breath, pulling in strength and power. Hold for a moment as you peek, and now, as you exhale slowly, open your eyes, wide awake, alert, refreshed, and rested, with a clear memory and a deep understanding. Feeling fine. Uh, back in the room. And uh, there you go. Thanks very much. So, hope you enjoyed that. I sure did. I enjoy all of these. I really do. And I try not to go too far afield, but at the same time, I don't want these to be too separated and too insular. I mean, we are working in a general field here, which is, you know, identity and motive, who we are and what we're for, uh, caught up in the experience of peace and love, which provides the understanding that is largely unavailable in normal consciousness. That's all we're doing. And uh, I say that's all we're doing, but that's pretty big, huh? Know thyself. That's what it's all about. You are that love. So there'll be some crossover, some overlap, and some tangents, but largely we'll stick to the stated theme and weave ourselves a tapestry here about the longing of the part to be whole. That's one of my favorite ways of describing the whole process of mysticism and, and refinement and, and alchemical healing and a spiritual evolution. The longing of the part to be whole. The longing of the hurt to be healed. Uh, divine homesickness, as I usually called it. Feel that pull, that magnetic drive for peace and justice. That's what you care about. Be what you care about rather than what you think about. <laughs> you know? More on this as we continue every Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock California time, West Coast time, 4 o'clock in the East, 20 hours GMT, and... Uh, Again, thanks for being with us. I want to remind you, if you like this program, you're going to love Finding Yourself in Paradise, a premium podcast I do every week with Steve Snyder. Now, this Mystery School webinar that we do on Sunday morning is both a way of promoting the premium podcast, but it's also a free add-on for people who get that podcast. So you may come to the premium podcast through this event, <coughs> excuse me, through this event, or vice versa, you may find the paid podcast and then say, oh, look at this cool add-on I get for free, the Sunday uh, webinar. Uh, both is fine. It's all good. But uh, if you're not familiar with it, I, I had an email the other, the other day from a fellow who thought he was listening to the premium podcast, thought he was paying 99 cents a week for it, uh, but somehow was confusing it with this one. And he was listening to this. And then he, I guess he found his password. That was the deal. He found his password. He logged back in, got set up properly, very easy to do. And voila, he said, I feel like a kid on Christmas morning. There's, you know, 35 of these uh, podcasts with you and Steve. Uh, for 99 cents a week, that's what we're talking about, less than $4 a month for 
this really good podcast. Uh, we do it in a studio with studio-quality microphones, and Steve and I, frankly, well, some of the best stuff we've ever done we're doing in this premium podcast called Finding Yourself in Paradise. And, uh, again, it's about an hour, 50 minutes to an hour. It includes a guided imagery exercise every week. We call them audio journeys. And if you like this, you're going to love that. We bounce back and forth off each other and go to places we've never been and really say things in ways that sometimes even surprise us. Um, it's as if the two of us together create a whole that is greater than the sum of the parts, you know, like 2 plus 2 equals 5 or something, or 1 plus 1 equals 8, something like that. Some kind of crazy synergy happens. Uh, we love it. We're having a great time. And I think you will, too. So get on board. Take your friends to FocusedPassion.com. Heck, if you're on the web live right now or listening to the replay as streaming audio, you'll see a button down there that says Wage Inner Peace Now. Click on that, and you'll go right to the website, FocusedPassion.com. You'll see a little video, and you can sign up for 99 cents. Okay, And we have lots of new content coming on. I want to tell you about that and also remind you that um, these products are all guaranteed. This doesn't come up very often, but they're all guaranteed. If for any reason you're not happy, then uh, we'll uh, refund your money for that month. $0.99 cents a week, so money is not an issue. FocusedPassion.com. Um, I think you'll dig it a lot. Okay, Click on Wage Inner Peace now. And finally, before I let you go, let me acknowledge a few other people that uh, are uh, are listening in. And let's see. Uh, one uh, is talking about depression and how to switch back to happiness and how long does that take. Uh, that's a fellow named Jerry in Southern California, Lorelei. Also says hello. Robert in Irvine says hello. Um, Jerry, I'm going to do a program on depression real soon, maybe even next week, but certainly in the next few weeks. Uh, I would, I would only say at this point that there is such a thing, it appears, as a genetic predisposition in a very few cases of depression especially chronic depression. And uh, there are certain illnesses or conditions like hypothyroidism, for example, that can create as a symptom a feeling of depression. But the vast majority of depression is rooted in anxiety and stress. And it may be best understood as inner-directed anger. Now, I haven't talked to you, and that's something that, any one of you, all you folks could consider. You know, I'm in Hawaii, but I do telephone counseling. I just don't mention it much, but I'd be happy to talk to you about setting something up. You know, I do a free intro, 15, 20-minute intake session um, for Jerry or anybody else that wants to talk about private work, coaching, counseling, training, um, 818-569-3017. Call at any time, 24-7. It's voicemail. Leave a message. I'll get back to you. It's an 818 number, 
888-379-3017. Call anytime, 24-7, leave a message, and I'll get back to you. But consider, Jerry, even if it's just to reflect until we do a program on depression, um, it's interdirected anger. You're angry at yourself. You're blaming yourself. There's frustration, no doubt, and irritation, a feeling of being stuck. Uh, and there's a lot of things you can do with it to switch back to happiness. One thing is watch it. Okay, rather than be it, you watch it. But I, I, I you know, it's difficult for me at the very end of this program um, uh, to answer that. I have a feeling you may have come in late, but that's great. That's fine. You can listen to the replay, and I think you'll get, even if you heard the whole thing, listen to the replay, I think you'll get a lot more out of it about how to switch uh, from misery to happiness, how to, you know, I'll put it this way, we're holding on to our depression and our sadness and our misery. We hold on to fear. When you let go of that through breathing, through meditation, through study, through mindfulness, when you learn to let go of your fear and, 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 and breathe and let go of the muscular tension in your body, you let go of a lot of hurt. And you'll find that the love and the happiness that you're looking for was there underneath it all along. Okay? So we don't create happiness, we allow it. That's a nice place to conclude. We don't create it, we allow it. What we create are all the things we don't want, like the depression and the sadness and the helplessness, the victimization. And the stress and anxiety that it's rooted in, largely the result of trying to please other people, which is impossible in most of the cases. There's always something else that, no matter how hard we try, we'll be unable to do for them and vice versa. And the stress and anxiety comes generally from trying to control what we cannot control, which is essentially we're trying to control the world so that we benefit. It doesn't occur to us to manage ourselves so that the world benefits. You get that turned around. You'll find the love that's in there underneath the depression you're holding on to. So that's my, it's like Lucy, 25 cents, five minutes psychology, five minutes of therapy, one size fits all. That's good for all of us when we're sad, depressed, or in some sort of funk. But I promise I will do a show coming up on sadness and depression, okay? But give that a look. Give that a thought. Um, let's I guess that about does it. I just wanted to check the web counts here. Yeah, this is what I thought. This is good, though. It's very interesting how people stay through the meditation, and then it went a little long, and they drop away. I can't see you. I don't know you. I see the numbers, and I love that you're here, and I'd love to hear from you. You can, again, call me at 818-569-3017. You can email me at my initials at theagelesswisdom.com, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. And then we can communicate back and forth in a much more personal and intimate way. Okay. So thanks so very much, and join us next Sunday. Be sure and tell your friends, please. Um, I have a small list that I mail to, uh, just a couple thousand people who have written to me over the years, but if you have friends who are 
interested in these kinds of things, human potential, personal growth, uh, spiritual development, uh, success, fulfillment, uh, forward the emails you get to them and uh, or just send them to the website so they can sign up for themselves. TheAgelessWisdom.com on the very first page is a big button to get the free newsletter. Okay. So thanks for listening and have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Aloha from Maui. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner.